Hello again and welcome to I'm Still a Mormon with your host, me. Today I'm just going to warn you right up front, you will be offended. I will probably offend most of the people listening to this. Let me apologize up front. You're welcome to throw stones. You're welcome to pray for my soul. Whatever you would like to do. I'm just giving you kind of a warning. You're going to be offended. More than likely. In something that I say. But this has to be said and it's important to me and that's why I'm doing this. Um, so I appreciate you being here and I hope you get something out of it. So the, the title of this is What is a Momo and Why You Shouldn't Be One? And, and the best way I can kind of explain this at the beginning is to say it this way. If you think Jesus attends all the meetings with the brethren, you must be a Momo. If you think not going on a mission is actually a sin, then you must be a Momo. If you think when the president's lips are moving, it's God's words, then you are for sure a Momo. If you think seminaries, scout camps, mutuals, young women camps are not optional, you're a Momo. If you think that the Book of Mormon is the only book that provides spirituality to you, then you are definitely a Momo. If you think a book written by an apostle on his own time that is sold in Deseret Book is gospel and doctrine, then you are a Momo. If you really think that after 190 years the word Mormon is really a victory for Satan, you are for sure a Momo. Now I'm gonna, I just offended everybody, and, and, and I, again I apologize for that. But wouldn't you have just loved to have been in those meetings with the brethren during the I'm a Mormon campaign and meet the Mormons and, and just see how those conversations went? Uh, we've used the word Mormon from day one, and we've used it in a big way and spent millions of dollars on the I'm a Mormon campaign and meet the Mormon campaign. Can you imagine? being in those meetings with how President Nelson felt about it. Just a side note. Moving on, if you think the word Mormon is a bigger victory for Satan than the word Satan, you must be a Momo. If you pray in public while holding hands, you for sure, of course, are a Momo. If all your vacations are centered around temple visits, you are a Momo. If you think the brethren get revelation different than you do, think about that one. You're a Momo. So if you're offended and think I'm going to hell because I've said these things, then for sure you are definitely a Momo. So to me, that's the best way I can describe that. To me, a, a Momo is a strict keeper of the law or a law hugger uh, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees were. Uh, who uh, are the ones who actually missed Christ when he showed up. And uh, you can think on that for a little while. They were so focused on the law that they missed the Savior. And sometimes I think members of the church 
do that same thing. They're so focused on the laws. And, and I'm not just saying the Ten Commandments. Those, obviously, we should be focused on. I'm saying, and I'm speaking from experience, I'm speaking from things that have happened to me or my children in the church. Again, I used to be a bishop, if you did not know that. The experiences like this, where my son comes home from church and says he got kind of reprimanded. That's, that's how he felt because he was blessing the sacrament in a white shirt, but his sleeves were rolled up and he was told by a visiting stake president that that was not appropriate. Okay, Those are the things that if, if we're literally focusing on the fact that a sleeve is rolled up on a worthy young man preparing or blessing or passing the sacrament, if that's what we're focused on, um, then I think we're, we're a little pharisaical and, and we, we, need to be, we need to be careful. So that's just one of the many, many examples that you guys have obviously probably experienced uh, as well. You all know people like this or maybe you are people like this. Maybe this is how you think and that's okay. But now I'm going to tell you why you well, I think you should not be this way. And I hope this scares you a little bit um, if, you are a, if you are a Momo. When I spent a year or so with the ex-Mormon community, I noticed a pattern. I noticed that most of the people that were ex-members lived very super strict memberships had a very unhealthy view of doctrines, leaders, in an extreme way. Meaning, if 10% was what we should do, then I'm going to do 15% because that's better. So they were kind of extremist in the gospel. Um, they were, by their parents, forced to do everything in the church. There was really no agency. Uh, they couldn't make choices based on whatever. Uh, they were just expected or told they had to do things uh, like a stint, uh, you know, being an Eagle Scout or whatever. We, again, we all know if you've been in the church, we've seen these people, or maybe you lived this way. Um, they did not question anything, even things that you really are allowed to question, and that's policies and procedures. Doctrine, sure, you can question it, but... They're not going to, doctrine's not going to change. Policies and procedures, they change all the time and have. I think it's okay to question policies and procedures, such as, what do you mean I can't have my sleeve rolled up bluffing the sacrament? That's, that's a little too much for me. Um, they were typically, again, those, I'm, I'm speaking of those that I met, uh, observed in the Exmo community that were not members of the church anymore, these people were typically checklist, what I call checklist members, uh, that did everything based on a checklist. I do everything. And that was to help them, for the most part, to not feel guilt by not doing something. And these people felt a lot of guilt if they did not do everything. Um, and I'm not gonna go over the list. There's a big old list in our church of what we're supposed to do, and or not do for that matter. And it's a list, and there's a lot of checklist members um, in our church. And I think that's okay 
if you're okay with it. But as I saw a pattern with the Exmos, they weren't okay with it. They felt guilty. To me, that's not a healthy way to live the church. You have to reevaluate and uh, do something different. So um, about a year, year and a half after, but before I was spent with the, with the Exmos community, uh, kind of learning what made them tick. And I had a few questions about why some of them wanted the church to burn and some of them could handle it uh, real easy. And it just, just was an education for me to, so I can be educated on, on their issues. And, and uh, it was very, very educational. And for the most part, they were very, and they knew I was a member and they knew I was a believing member. Um, they called me a nuanced believing member, but whatever. Uh, I, I can agree with that. I'm not your, I'm not a Momo. That's for dang sure. Um, and I, before I left, I did a poll and I asked them uh, questions. Did you live this way? Were you required to do these things? And they were questions about how strict their church life was and how they felt. You know, did they feel if they didn't go on a mission, it was a sin? You know, those things that I just kind of went over uh, as I was describing what I thought a Momo uh, is or what it does mean to me. And here's the scary thing you need to know, and this is why I think you shouldn't be a Momo. 60% of the people I polled lived that kind of a lifestyle. So 60% of the people that left the church were quote unquote Momos. So that's why I say you don't wanna be a Momo. And as I thought about that, I'm like, okay, how in the world do the extreme gospel livers, <laughs> I don't know what else to call them in a nice way, momos, how do they, how, how is it those type of people leave the church more than any other type of people based on the poll that I did? That was fascinating to me. And, and quite frankly, it was scary to me. And these people typically left the church uh, because of church history. So they had this unrealistic view of, of what church history, church history really was, and they read something or something was brought to them and blew up their testimony because they had this Momo view that everything was rainbows and butterflies from Joseph Smith on, and there is no warts in, the, in our past and our brethren are infallible and whatever they thought, and then hence the problem. Um, I've seen people leave the church over finding out as an adult that they did not know their whole life for some reason that Joseph Smith was a polygamist. I've seen people leave the church over that. That blows me away, but I've seen it. So the reason this is scary is, and I'll just share an example. I have a very, very close uh, friend, and let's call him Peter Priesthood, okay? You might have a friend named Peter Priesthood as well. This guy was a Momo. He was the cardboard cutout of a Momo. He did everything. He never got in trouble. Uh, probably never even had to go to the bishop to repent of anything, um, all through his youth. And I'm not saying that's bad, but hear me out. Uh, he literally was the, the, that the church was perfect in every way. Don't question anything. 
and he lived a very Momo lifestyle. Eagle Scout, Mission, Temple, all the things that you can imagine. As an adult, um, actually it kind of started on his mission. I've talked to him many, many times about this. It started on his mission where his mission president had a, who he worshiped as a holy man. And anybody that went on a mission, that's what we think. We think our mission presidents are, are literally walking on water holy man. My first one was the opposite of a holy man. My second one was a holy man. He literally walked on water in my mind. And, and uh, my buddy Peter Priesthood thought his mission president was a holy man, but it, until his mission president did something that wasn't holy manish, And he saw how the sausage was made, so to speak. He saw behind the curtain, so to speak. And that was the beginning of the end. And Peter Priesthood and his wife and his children and some of his other family are now Exmos. And I am fascinated because it's, then, then there's my side <laughs> as I sit and look in his eyes and I say, hey, you can stay in the church and not be Peter Priesthood. You can stay in the church and, and have different views than what you were raised in, but he couldn't. It's again, like the Pharisees, Sadducees, it's, it's this way or it's wrong, it's bunk. He couldn't see, and he still can't see any kind of anything in between. Now, he and his family are just wonderful, wonderful people. And um, they, they didn't leave, you know, like most members think, oh, they left the church to, to go sin. Not at all. I mean, not at all. Uh, great people. Uh, I hate to tell you, but there's some great Exmos out there that are just wonderful people. Yes, there's some that want the church to burn and are doing terrible things, um, but the majority are just super, super wonderful people. But my friend Peter Priesthood, he, he was your, your typical Momo, and he couldn't withstand the even the thought that the church was not perfect from day one, or the, or the leaders weren't, or that there was anything questionable in church history. And when that wave came upon his foundation, uh, it blew his foundation away. And here's an observation that I've learned talking to him and other people like him that have left the church. And the best example I can do is my example of my life and then my example of my friend, Peter Priesthood. Peter Priesthood was so wrapped up into the gospel, uh, he really never, and these are his words and his wife's words, they really never questioned it. It was just right to them. Uh, it was their tribe. It was that what they did. It was a club. It, they liked everything about it. So they really never had a, a reason or a purpose to have and seek personal revelation from God that says, uh, Peter Priesthood, you're in the right spot, okay? Never even needed it, in a sense. And then when, again, that wave of church history came on their foundation and washed it away, it was too late. And then I'll, I'll go to me as the other side of that example. My parents got divorced when I was in, the, it was the summer between fourth and fifth grade. And I don't know if you've experienced that at a young age. 
but when that happened to me, it's like everything was, was wrong. Everything was upside down. Everything was false. If my parents can't stay together, if the church didn't keep my parents together, everything's in question. And as a young kid, that's when I started kind of my path to knowledge. And I said, okay, can I trust my parents who got divorced, who has been taking me to this church? Can I trust my parents to know that this is the right church? Because I'm questioning my parents' judgment now because they got divorced uh, for whatever reason. Right or wrong, that's what was going through my head. So at a very young age, I questioned things. I looked at things different. I would read the scriptures. And uh, to give you an example, uh, as, a, as a young child, I remember reading the, uh, the New Testament, which was my favorite scriptures until I studied the history of the Bible. Whatever you do, and most Mormons don't, don't study the history of the Bible. Just don't do it, okay? So I, as a young kid, I'd be reading the, the beautiful Gospels, and it would state things like, and Jesus left the apostles and went 20 feet, and there was no one around him, and he said these wonderful words in prayer. And I would read that, and I'm going, then if that happened, how do we know who, who wrote that down? Who witnessed it? Who was able to write that if it was only Jesus and Jesus didn't write the Gospels. You know what I mean? So I'm just logically kind of looking through this and then I'm looking at the Gospels and it's like, well, wait a second. They're not even written in the first person. And I don't know if you know this, but scholars inside the church, outside the church have no idea who wrote the four Gospels. It's the Gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John written by unknown, 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 unknown. So even, you know, all this stuff is to give you a kind of a peek into my mind what I was questioning and what I was going through. But here's the beauty. When you live a life like that and you question, you seek and you find. And Peter Priestood, my buddy who is out of the church with his entire family, and his wife was Molly Mormon. Okay, so Peter Priest had married, married Molly Mormon, who was just like, you know, he, she was definitely a Momo. And they know this, and they will admit this. I'm not putting, throwing them under the bus. I, I'm not saying anything that they would not appreciate. So Peter Priest and Molly Mormon, they didn't have to question. They didn't even think to question. Now, some of you will say, well, that's fine. Well, it's fine until the waves of church history uh, come on your foundation. I spent a lifetime seeking and the cool thing about it is I found. And I didn't find in the Book of Mormon. I didn't find in the Doctrine and Covenants. I didn't find in the, the New Testament. All were good things. I didn't find in... I found it through personal revelation from God to me. And that is the best by far foundation you can have. My testimony is not based on policies, programs, procedures, or even the church or prophets or apostles. I just offended the other half of you. My testimony is, is based on revelation from God to me. 
And that is more precious to me than, than anything. And I attribute to that to my ability to question, having to question based on my life experiences. And that's why a lot of quote unquote momos, 60% that I polled, leave the church because their foundation, which is interesting, if you look back at our culture, we think Peter Priesthoods and Molly Mormons are the best members you can have until you see that 60% of the Exmos were Peter Priesthood and Molly Mormons. Now we have a problem. So think about where you're at in the gospel. If you know a Peter Priesthood or Molly Mormon that's having issues, uh, send them to this podcast. You can live the gospel in a healthy way with personal revelation that the gospel is true and not be Peter Priesthood and not be Molly Mormon. And I just had lunch with Peter Priesthood this week and I just just looked at it and I love him to death. And I said, you know, it's so ironic that Peter Priesthood is out of the church and you would have called me a heathen or a Gentile and I am rock solid in the church with a different view. I get that, but I'd much rather have my view in the church than his view out of the church. I hope that helps in some way. Try not to be a Momo and thanks for listening.